Welcome to Allergy Times. I'm Dr. Zachary Rubin, and my podcast is all about allergies and immunology. This is a podcast meant to educate the public and not intended as medical advice. Further questions should be directed towards your local allergist if you have concerns about your own health. For this episode, I'm going to go a little basic. If you've heard of the term basic science, it is anything but basic. This term describes the study of fundamental processes that are essential to life. This includes the fields of biology, biochemistry, genetics, anatomy, neurobiology, and more. Immunology is the field that is concerned with how the immune system works. It's quite complicated, and our understanding of our immune system is continually evolving. However, I would like to present you with some information on this topic since the COVID-19 pandemic has put the field of immunology front and center. My goal is to give you a basic understanding of the immune system so that you'll feel more comfortable with how vaccines work and why they are safe and effective. First, we need to define the immune system. While most agree that the immune system is heavily involved in protecting against infectious diseases, the immune system does much more than that. It helps protect against toxins, allergens, and cancer cells. In normal situations, it's trained not to attack our own body. However, autoimmune diseases are the result of the immune system attacking our own body. Allergy is when the immune response can be potentially damaging to the body when it encounters foreign substances. The concept of immunity from diseases dates back at least to Greece in the 5th century BC, when Thucydides wrote of individuals who recovered from the plague. However, the earliest attempt to induce immunity from an infectious disease was in 10th century BC in China, where smallpox was endemic. In more modern times, Edward Jenner was credited with creating the first vaccine in 1798, in which he observed that milkmaids who had recovered from cowpox never contracted the deadlier smallpox. Based on this, he injected material from a cowpox pustule into the arm of an eight-year-old boy. When this boy was later inoculated with smallpox, the disease did not develop. Since then, we have learned a tremendous amount about the immune system. However, there are still many questions left unanswered. For this episode, I will be mostly talking about how the immune system defends against germs. We live in a world that is full of billions of germs that are also known as pathogens. They comprise of bacteria, viruses, fungi, and parasites. We don't get sick every day because our immune system helps protect us on an ongoing basis. There are two branches of the immune system that work to not only fight off germs, but remember them and prevent reinfection in the long term. They're called the innate immune system and the adaptive immune system. The innate immune system helps defend against germs within the first hours or days after infection. This part of the immune system is called innate because these immune mechanisms are in place even before an infection occurs. The innate immune system has also been called nonspecific, natural, or native immunity. The innate immune system is mostly nonspecific, meaning it doesn't really care what foreign substances it's eliminating. The first component of the innate immune system are the physical barriers that prevent entry of germs. The skin is a physical barrier that keeps most germs out of the body. Our organs have a mucus lining that is a sticky substance which traps germs in their place. There are also chemical barriers that neutralize germs. 
For example, there are enzymes in our tears called lysozymes that break down germs. The acid in our stomach not only help break down the food that we eat, but it also neutralizes germs. We also have bacteria inside our body that help protect against pathogens that try to invade by competing for space and nutrients. There are various cells of the immune system that are associated with the innate immune system. These cells include neutrophils, macrophages, dendritic cells, mast cells, natural killer cells, innate lymphoid cells, and various blood proteins such as complement proteins. Many of these cells are always present in most tissues to function as watchdogs to keep an eye on potential invaders. Neutrophils and macrophages are also known as phagocytes because they will gobble up pathogens to present to our cells of the immune system. When this happens, it triggers a process called inflammation, where other phagocytes and white blood cells are recruited to the site of infection to help protect the body from further damage. Neutrophils gobble up pathogens and die during this process, which can lead to the formation of pus. The innate immune system also helps block viral replication and kill virus-infected cells without inflammation. This is mainly through cells called natural killer cells. Yeah, these cells are as cool as they sound. They scan normal and abnormal cells for a surface protein called major histocompatibility complex, or MHC for short. Normal cells of our body have MHC molecules, but cells that are abnormal are missing these molecules, which allows the natural killer cells to attack. Now, there's another cell of the immune system called dendritic cells that act as a bridge between the innate immune system and adaptive immune system because it's known as an antigen-presenting cell. These cells gobble up pathogens and present a tiny part of them called antigens to other cells of the immune system. This process eventually leads to a more focused, robust immune response through the adaptive immune system. Before I move on to the adaptive immune system, I want to spend a little extra time talking about the complement system because I think it's fascinating and you may not have heard about this before. This is actually one of the most important parts of our immune system that evolved over several hundred millions of years ago. It comprises of over 30 different types of blood proteins and accounts for about 10% of the globular proteins in the serum of your blood. Complement proteins are very effective in fighting off infections. This is a very complicated topic that provides many challenges for medical students and physicians alike, so I'm going to present some key concepts. The complement system helps activate other parts of the immune system, cripple pathogens, and eliminate them. Normally, these are proteins that float around in our bloodstream in a passive role until they're activated by changing their shape. Like other proteins, their shape highly determines their function. In one shape, these proteins may do nothing. But in another shape, they may activate other proteins and lead to a cascade of events. Someone once described the complement system to me like a large box of matchsticks lying closely together. Once the fire is set to one match, it quickly spreads to the rest of the other matches and creates a large fire. The complement cascade can start from three different pathways, but they all end up in a final common pathway. I'll speak briefly about one of these pathways called the alternative pathway. In this pathway, all you really need to know is that a protein called C3 gets activated and breaks off into two proteins, C3A and C3B. C3A alerts other cells in the immune system to move towards the site of the infection. 
while C3B latches onto pathogens such as bacteria and become converted into protein called C3 convertase. C3 convertase further amplifies this cascade by activating more C3 proteins until the bacteria are littered with complement proteins. This allows phagocytes to grab onto the bacteria and eat them. C3 convertase can also recruit more proteins to create C5 convertase. C5 convertase is a complex that helps create the membrane attack complex, which is as cool as it sounds. The membrane attack complex literally pokes holes in bacteria to kill them like popping a balloon. That is only a snippet of what the complement system can do. Now, we should move on to the adaptive immune system. This part of the immune system is the real workhorse for creating a robust immune response that's highly specific to the pathogen. It also helps the body remember a previous infection so that it can prevent reinfection. The two main cells of the adaptive immune system are T and B cells. There are a few key concepts that are important to know about the adaptive immune system. First, it's highly specific and diverse, meaning that the immune response is highly targeted at distinct antigens. This is particularly important because specificity and diversity not only help target an extremely diverse set of germs, but it also helps prevent your immune system from attacking your own body. In other words, the immune system has many fail-safe mechanisms to promote self-tolerance. Another important concept of the adaptive immune system is that it induces memory cells. These are cells that lay dormant and are ready to mobilize an army of immune cells to fight off a germ if it were to return. For the rest of the episode, I'll discuss the adaptive immune system in context to how vaccines work. Regardless of the type of vaccine, an antigen is introduced into the body. There, antigen-presenting cells such as macrophages and dendritic cells gobble up these antigens and display them on their surface. They then show these antigens to T-cells. These T-cells become activated and turn into one of three subtypes, cytotoxic T-cells, regulatory T-cells, or helper T-cells. Activated helper T-cells play a major role in antibody generation and activating memory B cells. On the other hand, inactivated B cells can ingest pathogens as well, independent of other cells, and display antigens on their surface. When these B cells interact with activated helper T cells, the B cells then turn into either plasma cells or memory B cells. Memory B cells lay dormant until they're exposed to the pathogen in the future. When activated, they can turn into plasma cells as well. Plasma cells produce antibodies, which are uh, like little tags that bind to pathogens and help the immune system fight off infections efficiently. Vaccines are a safe and highly effective way of generating antibodies to help prevent future infections. However, many vaccines require more than one dose to induce a robust production of antibodies and memory cells to confer the best level of protection. In the context of the recently released COVID-19 vaccines, the antibodies that are generated from these vaccines specifically target the spike protein, which is the protein in coronavirus responsible for causing infections. These vaccines do not use the coronavirus itself to induce an immune response. Instead, it's using genetic material to give instructions for our bodies to create spike protein. It's impossible for the genetic material to incorporate into our DNA, so no, we won't turn into the X-Men. 
While people are worried that there may be long-term side effects, we have already had over seven years of long-term data to the mRNA vaccines for other germs, and it has overall been proven to be safe. The risks of COVID-19 still are much greater to the risks of these vaccines. So with that, I thank you so much for listening to me talk about uh, the immune system. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to future episodes of this podcast. Feel free to send me questions or ideas for future episodes on my Twitter at Ruben underscore allergy. That's R-U-B-I-N underscore allergy. Remember, folks, the world of allergy is quite common and confusing, and I'm happy to clear up confusion along the way. Take care.